Well, being Mother's Day, I can't help but think of my mom, even though she's gone. And, and one, of the, one of the phrases that I always remember her saying when we were kids was, in or out. In or out. In? <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about, right? We go running in, and I can still hear that screen door. Pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 right? In or out. I don't care if you come in or out, but you got to make up your mind. Well, I've been recently struck by a phrase in the Bible, in the New Testament in particular, and the phrase is in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. I mean, to be in is to be, is to be enclosed, surrounded by, enveloped by a thing. And 216 times, one form or another, the Bible uses this phrase, in Christ. Mostly by Paul, but also by some of the other writers. In Christ. I think maybe one of the most well-known spots is 2 Corinthians 5.17, that if any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. How many of you want that for your life? The old is gone. The new has come. Well, the qualifier there is that if any man be in Christ, if any woman, if any person be in Christ, I want to be in Christ, don't you? Whatever this means, I want, I want it. Anybody with me? I want to be in Christ. I think from my point of view, this phrase that's used by the later New Testament authors, in Christ, I feel like it must stem from what Jesus said in John chapter 15 that Joanna just so beautifully read for us. Where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me, yeah? And also, interestingly, and I in him, he will do what? Bear much fruit. He'll live the life that God intended him to live. To bear a fruitful life. If any man, if any person, if anyone is in Christ, and I, I really believe that this is the that this is the basis of, of what it means to even be a Christian, is to be in Christ, is to be rightly connected to the vine, is to be intimately united with Christ as the vine. That this is of such essential importance, we can't miss it as a lesson of the New Testament. I think Paul certainly knew it. Paul's whole life was changed on the road to Damascus that day, wasn't it? And, 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 and his whole view of God, his whole understanding of the very nature of God changed. His old view was completely shattered. Boom! And he came into this intimate union with Christ and everything changed. This, this guy that we find on the road to Damascus going to arrest, persecute, and execute Christians becomes this apostle of love. What? Everything changed. The old was gone. <laughs> was anybody more qualified to say, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Believe me, baby, right? <laughs> the old goes, and the new comes. That's what it means to be in Christ. This is such, a, this, this phrase, in Christ, this concept of being rightly connected to Jesus as the vine, is of critical importance to anyone who says that they're a follower of Jesus. So I think a question that comes up is, 
How can I know if I'm in Christ? How can I know that? Is there, is there a way I can look at my life? Is there a way I can think about, consider the way I'm living that I could determine? Because I want to be in Christ. So what can I look for? Well, to be in Christ, I think, means many, many things. But as I prayed through this, I, I, I feel like the Lord has given me three in particular. Three qualities or three realities of what it means to be in Christ. And so beginning today and the coming two Sundays, I want to I wanna share with you from my heart and from the scriptures what, what I think those three things are. And today we're going to be talking about being in Christ means to be in salvation. It means to be saved. I mean, this is the beginning, isn't it? It means to be saved. To be in salvation. To be in Christ means that you were outside of Christ, but now because you've responded to what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, now you're in Christ. That a dramatic change occurs in, in the heavenlies, in the ledger of, of God. That, Tim, you were outside of Christ, but you responded to God's grace offered you through the cross, and now you're in Christ. You're in salvation. And in salvation means many things. And I'd like, to, I'd like to primarily focus on three this morning of what in salvation means. And I, I, I decided to use some big words just to accommodate some of the smarty pants in the room, okay? But uh, don't worry, uh, I'll break them down for us all, okay? But that to be in Christ, we're in Christ judicially, we're in Christ mystically, and we're in Christ, go ahead and say it, eschatologically, right? You love that word, I know. Oh, you love that word. Let's break it down. Father, we pray that you'll come and that you'll just bring it down, put the cookies on the bottom shelf for us the way you're so good at doing, Lord. Lord, we, we don't want to leave here having learned some new big words. We want to leave here having drawn closer to you in the name of Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit. You, you be the preacher this morning, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Judicially, judicially means that you legally belong to Jesus Christ. It's a judicial arrangement. That, you, that because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, he purchased you. John 1.12, one of my favorite verses. Yet to all, he says some people rejected Christ when he came. But yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right. That's a legal term. He gave the right to become the children of God. He gave the right to become the children of God. So because of what Christ did on the cross for us, that, a, that there's, a, there's a legal offer. And the offer is, do you want to belong to God? And by saying yes and by surrendering to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, then our, our, our legal standing changes. Our legal standing changes. Be sure you get a hold of that. And, and the Bible says that he says, don't you know that you're not your own? That you were bought at a price. I'm not my own anymore. I, I don't belong to myself. I belong to him. I belong to him. That legally, I belong to him. Now that's really, really good news. Because I belong to him because of the price he paid for me. The price was a price of love. That his work on the cross was an act of love. The Bible says... In Romans chapter 5, it says, For God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. So because he purchased me with his love, I know how secure I am in the Lord's hand. It's just like when I ask these parents, how much, how much? How much? How much is it going to cost to go home with your child? They said, there's no, there's no price on this child. Wait till they get to be teenagers. <laughs> there's no price on this child. These, these children are priceless because they purchase them with their love. That when there's a relationship of love, that no one can snatch them out of your hand. I feel like this is as good a time as any to confess something in front of the church, and that is that I've fallen in love with another girl. I've fallen in love with another girl. Karen knows. She's sitting in here. She already knows. In fact, she encouraged it. <laughs> Sometime late last year, she started me thinking about this, that maybe there was another girl that I should love. And I got thinking about that, and I'd just like to introduce you to the girl that I love. This is Scout, and I love her. We've owned a number of horses over our lifetime together. Karen and I actually, in high school, we actually dated on horses. And some of you are saying, well, that's because there weren't cars yet, I know, but <laughs> there were. And we actually, as 15-year-olds in high school, we actually rode horses together for hours and miles, and it was, it was cool. And so we've had a number of horses over the years, and I've always liked them. I've always treated them very well, but I've never loved one. I love Scout. Karen knows, <laughs> and it's okay. But I love Scout, and um, love Scout so much that now, before you go making fun of me with my hat, I need to tell you two things about that hat. One is that you've got to have a fiddle if you're going to play in the band, right? <laughs> and that's right. If you're going to ride a horse, you don't be wearing a ball cap out there, right? And the other thing you should know about that hat is that I bought that hat at the West Side Flea Market behind York Steakhouse across from Westland Mall. Oh, yeah, I'm one of you now. So you know, I'm hopelessly one of you. <laughs> and so anyhow, I, uh, I've fallen in love with this horse. And so what happened was Karen said, yeah, you should really think about getting another horse. And, All right. So, I, you know, I, I did what I do. I put, a, I put an ad on Craigslist because that's what I do. That's where I live. That's my other family. All right. And I wrote this wonderful ad about the particular kind of horse that I'm looking for. I said, it doesn't have to be fancy. It's definitely not going to be expensive. And uh, I just want a grade horse. No papers. I don't need papers. But it has to be what we call bomb-proof. And then the horse people, that's the, 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 they just can't really even be startled. I want a dead, broke horse. I'm not in any, I'm, I have no interest in getting anywhere fast. All right? I just wanted a horse that I could just plot around the farm on, you know. And so I put the, and, I, and I, I, I love to write ads for Craigslist, and I started getting responses from people who didn't have horses, but they said, that ad was just so cool. <laughs> and, 
And, and, and eventually people started sending me this and that, and we went off looking for horses, and one day we borrowed Susie's trailer, horse trailer and went down to, all the way down to West Portsmouth to look at this horse that, that these people said, oh, yeah, this is exactly the horse you're looking for. I take the horse out of the pen, immediately it rears up on me. I said, all right, it's a nice drive. Here you go. I'm gone. But it wasn't until Scout came along, and she was 100 pounds underweight, been a little neglect. You can see she's pretty skinny. And that's what, that's what really, really got Karen's attention, because Karen loves to take care of stuff. And so she's been feeding her chicken soup for, not really, she's been, but it's, and, and she's actually got 50 more pounds on her now than what you see her there. But, uh, so people started sending me these, uh, the, this, this family started sending me this video. Oh, and I said, well, yeah, that looks good. It's got a nice light rain there. This is the family that owned it and said, here, I think we got the horse you're looking for. Well, that looks good, but that's not what got my attention. And, and this wasn't what got my, oh, she's got a nice little canter there. That's all right. Yeah, that looks all right. She doesn't look like she's any big, I like the way she throws her tail. Isn't that just adorable, huh? <laughs> right. But this was the video that really got my attention. That, that's this one right here. Watch what she does. What? Are you, are you quite finished, right? <laughs> That's what you call bomb-proof right there, right? Yeah. So I love Scout. Never loved a horse before. In the world of horses, she's got a narrow build, big bones on the back, and she's got a great face, and everything breaks down from there, basically, as a horse. She's not going to win any shows. She's not going to win any races. But I love her. And so you all together don't have enough money to buy her from me. Now, Karen's back there saying, wait, wait just a second, Tom, don't, <laughs> don't get crazy here now. <laughs> but you see, the Lord loves you. And you may think of yourself as a person who's not going to win any races or any shows, nothing exceptional about you, an ordinary person. The Lord bought you with his love. He bought you with his love. And your legal standing changed. Paul says that our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. That when you're awarded citizenship, that's a legal standing, isn't it? So to be in Christ means to know him in such a way that your legal standing has changed. We also know the Lord, uh, to mean, uh, uh, sorry, uh, mystically, and uh, mystically is just another word for supernaturally, that, there's a, that there is a, a true realm of activity in which we're engaged that's the supernatural realm, and you can't immediately see it with your eyes or hear it with your ears, but in this very room right now, the Holy Spirit is present, angels are here, and we are actually being ministered to, the Bible says, by angels at this very moment. And this is sort of a stretch for us in our, you know, post-modern, post-Christian, post-enlightenment thinking, uh, but it is nonetheless true. And so to be mystically in Christ means that you are supernaturally held by Jesus Christ. You're supernaturally held by him. In 1 John 3, 1, the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the children of God. Now, what father doesn't hold his child, right? That we should be called the children of God. 
Not the subjects of God, not the servants of God, although there's, there's truth to that. But at the core of our relationship is that we are children of the living God, mystically, wonderfully held by him. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. I want to show you something real quickly. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. John chapter 10, verse 27. Verse 28 says, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. We're mystically held by the Lord. This is a true reality. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. (laughs) Nobody's getting you out of the Lord's hand. Because you're legally his, you are now mystically, supernaturally held by the Lord. You're living in the arms of the Lord. And God has equipped us to appreciate this. God has equipped us to enjoy this. I suppose one of the greatest minds of of the early part of the 20th century in England was a man named G.K. Chesterton. And he wrote a couple of great books. Eventually, one was called Orthodoxy and the other is The Everlasting Man. But G.K. Chesterton was a man, a very influential journalist, um, author, poet in, in early 20th century England. And uh, to, start, to start his career, he was not a believer. He was raised in a Unitarian family, and, and as a teenager, he actually became fascinated with issues in the occult, and so he started going down that road. He established his career, was well-known in London, and then became a Christian. And there's this cool uh, record of an encounter. This is standing on a London street corner. G.K. Chesterton was approached by a newspaper reporter who said, Sir, I understand that you recently became a Christian. May I ask you a Christian question? Certainly, replied Chesterton. And And the reporter asked, If the risen Christ suddenly appeared to you and stood behind you, what would you do? Chesterton looked at the reporter squarely in the eye and said, he is. The reality of the current presence of Jesus Christ. That he's holding us. That he's present. The imagery of the vine and the branches could not be any clearer, could it? That there's a special kind of union. There's a special kind of union between, between the Lord and, and his believer that you are mystically, supernaturally, wonderfully held right now, that this is a true reality in your life, and that, and that you are hardwired to experience it, that you have the capacity to know it. And so I'm just saying to you, dear believers, that I think you should not be satisfied with your state of salvation, your state of being in Christ, if you do not know this. If you have not experienced, in some measure, in I I give you that everybody will experience it uniquely to yourself. But if you you have not yet experienced some sense of, of, of the nearness of the Lord, the arms of the Father perhaps around you, the stroke sometimes of his hand on the back of my neck, who? If you haven't experienced that, I'm saying, I should not be satisfied with my salvation until I had. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep seeking. And then third, I think to be in Christ, 
means we're in Christ eschatologically. Now, eschatology, as many of you already know, is a phrase that talks about the study of end times or the study of the end, basically. And uh, it's most frequently attached to, you know, studying the prophecies of the return of Christ, the millennium, these kind of things that, that are, are matters of great importance in the scriptures, of course. But it also deals more generally just with the end of all things. And in reality, the end is coming. I hope that's not a surprise to you. The end is coming and that we are actually in the process of the end. That ever since Jesus, ever since Jesus uttered the words, I'm coming back, then the end started, right? That we're closer to the end than when he said them. Am I right or am I wrong? I'm right. And so that that's, that's what's happening. There's, there's an eschatological process that's already occurring. Now, there will be an event. There will be a day coming when Christ will return. It is also an event. He's coming back. He said he's coming back. He's coming back for his bride. And when he comes back for us, believers, there will be no more opportunity for salvation. The Bible says, behold, now is the day of salvation, right now. Because when Christ comes back, there will be no more opportunity to be saved, to turn and be saved. Please, if you haven't come to Christ yet, come today. Come today. Because we have no assurance of tomorrow. We have no assurance of this afternoon. Come now. Where you sit right now, ask Christ into your life. Where you sit right now, repent of your sin and turn to him. And invite the Lord into your life right now. Where you sit right now. Because there's a day coming. He will come. It, it will be an event. But it's also a process as we are personally moving toward the end, whether it be the end of history or our own personal end. We're already in that process. And the Bible says that you are in the process of being raised with Christ. And so to be in Christ means that you get that. You know you're eschatologically in Christ. You're moving through a process. If you look in Romans chapter 6, You'll see it says in verse 4, We were therefore buried with Christ through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And it identifies us through baptism with the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Now get this, as I read on, If we've been united with him, it says, like him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. This is so important. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives he lives to God. And Jesus' death was the beginning of a process for him that resulted in salvation. I mean, resulted in the resurrection, correct? Jesus' death was the beginning of a process for him that resulted in resurrection and ascension. Well, we're identifying with the death of Christ. And so we're in the same process. To be in Christ means to understand that you're already in the process of being raised from the dead. Listen, you don't have to worry about your death because Jesus already died it for you. Who would worry about something that's already happened? Jesus died our death for us. 
so that by faith in him, we will not face that death. We will not face the judgment. We will not face that kind of reality. The body will stop, and because of Christ, our resurrection will be completed, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is the truth, and it's part of, it's part of my encouragement to you as believers today, that you're in a process. You notice things are changing since you've been walking with Christ? Who can, who can testify to that? It's different, right? Yeah, I didn't mean to be this person I am, right? I just asked Jesus into my life. I just didn't want to go to hell, right? I get that. I know. I signed up for that same program. I wanted my get out of hell free card. So I prayed the prayer. I asked the Lord to come into my life as my Savior. And I didn't know about the fine print. I didn't know that by coming to Christ, his first order of business was to kill me that the old man would be crucified. I fought for a while, struggled against him for a few years, but eventually succumbed, surrendered and succumbed, where Jesus' life now lives in me. That's for you too. That's for you too. Being in Christ means that death has already been taken on for you, Being in Christ means that the Lord's right here for you. You're in, you're enveloped. You're in Christ. Discernibly, you can know that. And being in Christ means that your legal standing in all of the universe has been forever changed from lost to found, from condemned to saved, from dead to alive, from hell to heaven because of what Christ did for you on the cross. So I was praying, Lord, how do I invite the church to respond to you this morning? I heard the Holy Spirit use the word mine. Tell them they're mine. Remind them that they're mine. You're mine. How do you become his? There's only one way to become his, and that's through the cross. There's only one, that's the only door. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He died on the cross, and it's through the cross that's the door of salvation. You hear me, beloved? Some of you here right now, when you're asking yourself the question, am I in or out, you may be thinking I'm out. you You may be saying I'm not sure I'm in. You can change that today. You can ask Christ into your life. I'm going to ask Pastor Christian if he'll come up here and stand over here. And he'll be standing over here by this door over here. And if there are people here today who say today is the day that I would like to ask Jesus Christ into my life, I would like to change from out to in for sure. And in just a moment, we're going to be doing, we're going to be singing some songs and people are going to be moving around for prayer and stuff. And during that time, I want to, I want to challenge you to move from where you are over to where Christian is. He'll be happy to explain that to you, answer your questions. Pray with you to ask Christ into your life. Give you a Bible if you don't have one. Give you a little book to start you out on your walk with Jesus. So I just encourage you, if you're a person here today who says, I want to be in and I want to be sure I'm in, I'm sh- I, just, I just pray that as things are happening here for these next few minutes, you just walk over to Christian, okay? Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for the power of the cross. Thank you, Father. That the invitation is not to know you as a distant God, but to belong to you. To be your sons and to be your daughters. And not distant or estranged, but held close. 
held close, held so close, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll come for the ones who don't know you yet. I pray today it'd be the day that they would come to know you. Holy Spirit, I pray for the ones who are just not satisfied with their sense of you. They just long for more. I pray today be the day that they just feel your loving arms in that place that you have equipped them to know you. I just pray, Father God, that this word is a word of encouragement and a word of invitation to live in you, enveloped by you, surrounded by you. Come, Holy Spirit, as we minister to one another as the body. If there are people here today who have particular needs that are maybe entirely unrelated to this message, Lord, I pray that you'd meet those needs today and come and move powerfully among us, release the gifts of the Spirit in our midst here in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, will you stand with me, please? And can we have some prayer ministry people come up to the side?